Greetings and welcome to the Peer Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It is time to bring the orange yet again with everybody's favorite episode format. That's right. It is time for volume six of Unplugged and my very valued and favorite and only co-hosts, principal technologist, Mr. J.D. Wallace and master of ceremonies and all around just really great guy, Andrew Miller. Welcome, gents. It has been a while, but it is great to have you back on here. Mr. Miller, what's going on in your world? Staying busy. Actually, had a little bit of a quieter week, week last, last week, which is nice to catch up a little bit. JD, you? I just got back from Hawaii, baby. So look at my awesome tan. You can't because you're on the podcast. But for those of you here on the video, um, I am I am rocking my uh, my bronze. I'm pretty happy about it. Very cool. I'm, I am one of those folks who uh, within about you didn't know it was going to be that sunlight, kind of podcast today. Sorry. I, uh, I, I start to burn like a like a lobster. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm the pasty white guy here just being real. So and I'm good with it. You know, I think that's hard to say when I'm saying it about myself, you know, but as the MC. We've got four segments here today. There's some of the ones that you already know, I think, but hopefully it feels like a familiar structure instead of like, oh, you know, come on, not that again. So we're going to start off with what's new from JD, Rob, myself. Second, we're going to go into the fourth of the 15 decisions around data reduction. And there's so much there to unpack. It's going to be, we're going to try and keep ourselves on time, but there's so much good stuff there. Technically, impact-wise, history, all that. It's going to be tough keeping it in time, man, uh, but we'll, we'll try. Number three... Not saving the best for last, definitely not, or, or it's the best piece ever, or whichever, is we will have our first special guest on Unplugged. Of course, usually, Rob's for, Rob, when you do it, you've got a guest every single time. I, I think every single time. I don't think you've ever done one where it's just you, but this is our, our first one. We're actually going to have a special guest on, and someone actually, JD, has known for a long time, and then that'll actually we'll segue into fourth, the tip of the week, where we're going to make our special guest do double duty. You know, hey, he was kind enough to show up. Yeah, Andrew, don't give me ideas about doing a monologue podcast. I think I think the <laughs> I think the beauty is having special guests on. I don't think anybody wants to listen to me for forty two minutes. That's for sure. You totally stole my thunder, Rob. I was about to jump in and say, "Hi, we definitely need a, like private thoughts with Rob." <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I'll I start see sketching. That I'll start sketching out the outline. Well, it'll it'll be filled with dad jokes and yes, uh, sports yes. anecdotes, and it'll get two plays. No, I'd, I'd, I'd much I'd rather like, have an evil villain monologue style Rob than a dad joke Rob. Just <laughs> so maybe you can do both personas. I will think about it, but uh, I am excited to see who the special guest is today. Um, I, I, I think it was a great idea to bring someone on. Let's go. Cool. So number one, what's new? Uh, segment number one, I will keep trucking here a little bit. This is frankly, you kind of look at your calendar, you think about what's what's different and what folks might not have heard. I'm finding I'm doing a lot of cloud discussions. And sometimes it's that's kind of surprising to people because the ask that I often get from customers, from sales executives, SEs, AEs is, you know, hey, please tell us what Peer does from a cloud standpoint. And it's kind of to some degree, it's looking at everything that Peer does through a cloud lens. But there's a lot of stuff there. There's historical principles in Evergreen that are actually very cloudy. There's some legit stuff that we do solely in the public cloud. Like you can actually be a pure customer without having any hardware on-prem at all. It can, and that can be either via, say, a Portworks or a cloud block store. There's things that we do in partnership with Equinix Metal. So there's this whole list of stuff where I've had folks who's like, hey, you can cover what Peer does in the cloud in 10 or 15 minutes. It's like, well, I can at least tell you the, the titles or the topics. But if we really want to even have kind of a, a coverage of it, that's like a full-hour walkthrough with you know stories. And I'm pausing. I'm If I'm an evil villain model, log mode for more than five minutes, you know, then I pause to make sure there's, you know, discussion or questions. But I wanted to highlight that just because this continues to be one of the top kind of presentation or meeting requests that I get. And it's a lot of fun to talk about the things that people don't necessarily expect. The other thing that's new is I'm actually by the time folks listen to this, not sure how quickly this will drop. I'll actually have met JD in person for the first time because we're going to have an extended team meeting in Austin. JD, I'm a hugger, buddy. Watch out. I think I can live with that. You know, side hugs for a full on. No, I'm, no okay. We're, big we're, bear we're, I think we're wandering too close, but yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I'm getting big uh, man shouts at cloud vibes from your cloud conversation. I think that's cool. 
<laughs> you know, actually, I'm going to tell a quick story. So, you know, uh, for those of you who keep track, um, I've been here. I just celebrated my two year uh, anniversary joining Pure. That's been a lot of fun. I don't think we covered that on the podcast. So, yeah. Yay, me. It's uh, it's great to be here. Um, Andrew, however, has a longer tenure uh, than I do. And true story, when I was getting ready to interview for, for my job here at Pure, I actually did a lot of research. And one of the things that I came upon was a really awesome recorded uh, uh, kind of a whiteboard of you, Andrew, going through kind of how to how we built Cloud Block Store. And I actually kind of used that and made it my own and use that as one of the presentations I gave, I gave when I was coming to join the team here. So love that you're working on cloud stuff. Thank you for that, by the way. Andrew, more like Brandrew with the oh. feedback that we get these days, because he's got such a great brand. I think what I get like five or six emails after the last uh, unplug that we did, that Andrew has such an amazing brand. So, JD, <laughs> it's good to hear that you uh, that you saw that. But I'm going to call you Brandrew from now on. All right. Uh, the, the, I, I was, yeah, I'm thinking of like old, old jokes about Branifer and Jennifer and stuff, and it's just not <laughs> clicking, but I'm trying. And I think that means I should just let JD keep going with new stuff. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, I love that you picked the cloud for your kind of what's new and that you're having all those conversations because it, it highlights something that I talk about a lot, which is storage is in our name, pure storage, but we talk about so much more and storage touches so many different pieces of you know, people's lives and infrastructure's live. And so I, I love that that's a big part of the talk track and it makes a lot of sense. I've, I've had a lot of those conversations too. The thing I wanted to highlight is we have a new product that's GA since the last time we talked, uh, uh, Portworks Data Services, PDS, we call it. Portworks Data Services is now GA. And the reason I love talking about this feature is because it, it really highlights this kind of foundational approach that we have to talking about, you know, Pure's vision. You know, we talk a lot about infrastructure. Yeah, we, we know that, right? Again, storage is in the name. We've modernized a, a lot of how customers approach storage for the last decade plus. Um, almost table stakes at this point. Y yes, yes, we're incredibly good at it. We're going to talk more today about some of the stuff that we do that's so exceptional there, but that, that's kind of the core. But moving beyond that, we think a lot about how we operationalize storage, things like pure as a service, changing the, the model of how you acquire and own storage, things like Fusion, which we talked about one or two episodes ago and how it's really changing the way customers consume storage, where you can even abstract away some of the hardware. But really, if you keep going on that path, what you will eventually get to is the modernization of the application, right? How do I actually just take this application, deploy it really simply, and allow me to do my job better, faster, easier? Portworks Data Services is the way that we do that. That's the, that's the first example of how we're doing that. This truly is database as a service where you go and using uh, services provided by Portworks, by Pure Storage, you get really easy ability to deploy a variety of different Portworks based or, or Kubernetes based databases right in your environment, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, a little so bit of the, uh, hey, if, uh, I won't say if the, from an infrastructure standpoint, we love infrastructure, you love it. But we're moving toward faster outcomes, and this is what it should be. It, it, we've yeah. always talked application level stuff, like it's about supporting the application. But this actually puts us another step closer to that from a true service that you can purchase out of the box. None. And watch this segue that I do, Chance. Order up. What's new? If you want to hear all about Portworks Data Services and Database as a Service and Cloud, like Andrew was talking about, and a host of other things, we want to see you at Pure Storage Accelerate Tech Fest 2022. Yes, I'm, I'm going to go back to more normal voice, but the, the cloud track is fantastic. It's chock full of VMware, what we do with hyperscalers, some Portworks woven in, although this year to put a spotlight on the Portworks sessions, we built out a whole separate track for Portworks, and they've got their own pavilion for those that are heading on site. So yeah, my what's new update is it's kind of events season. Usually events season happens more in the fall, but I think because we've got a little bit of everybody wanting to get back together and, and show up and do things in person, obviously Accelerate that I plugged on the last episode, but uh, somebody from my team just was off at a PowerShell Summit and Dev Intersections. I think uh, Zane and JD, we just ran Veeam on last week because I saw a bunch of great photos um, from that. What? Spoiler. Keep going. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm just going through <laughs> events, man. I'm just going through events. Um, coming up, Splunk.com happening the week after Accelerate. Cisco Live is at the end of June. Oracle Ascend, and I just got off a planning call for VMware Explore, where Pure is going to have a presence. So think about all those solutionaries. You've got databases with SQL Server with Oracle. You've got FlashStack that we do with Cisco and the analytics side with Splunk and virtualization with VMware. And if you want to hear about everything we're doing in those solution spaces, please come to Accelerate, purestorage.com slash Accelerate, where you can register. And yes, my what's new, Andrew, was a blatant plug for Accelerate, but that's where I'm spending about 70 or 80% of my time on a daily basis these days. Um, and it's all a great investment, right? It's, it's going to be a really fun event and super excited to see all both of you there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we hope everybody will come to all of those events and visit us at whichever one that you're uh, that you're able to attend. But it all the pinnacle, it all comes down to accelerate. That is our premier event. We have so much exciting stuff that we want to share with you. Um, I, I know everyone on mine and Andrew's team and our extended team have been working so hard on all of these sessions, and we just can't wait to share them with you. So, so hope to see you there. Looking forward to it. With that, over to. Number two, section number two, that is, which is yet another number of the 15 decisions, 15 architectural decisions. If you've been playing the at-home game and keeping up, number one was simplicity. Number two is efficient architecture at scale. Number three was consumer flash, MLC, TLC, QLC. That evolved over time. Number four is data reduction, which you can almost think like those two words don't sound super crazy and interesting. If you come maybe from a storage background, you know how revolutionary this has been in the industry. I'm even going to go back to the first data reducing platform I was familiar with before they got acquired. You know, so it was a backup appliance and it focused a lot around ingest speeds, right kind of thing. But there is this is a topic where there is so much here and the impacts of what Pure has done and even some of the industry pieces, it just keeps playing out over time. JD, I think we were talking about stories and yours were almost like, almost like, yes, and this, 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 you know, the healing power of and not or you want to kick yeah. us off? Yeah. And don't, don't walk away. I, cause to your point, Andrew, I think a lot of people hear data reduction, like, ah, table stakes, right? That, that problem's been solved. You know, we do that. It's all the same. You know, I, I got that. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, I think one of the things that, that we're going to highlight today and that is true of uh, the, the, the flash rate platform is that, this data reduction is not just one thing, like, like many of the things we talk about, safe mode's another example where I talk about this, it's not one feature, it's really a, a, a suite of features that all come together in a really intelligent way to give our customer a better experience, right? To reduce the amount of data sets. And, you know, I, look, I've been in this industry for a little while and I, I didn't truly realize until I actually got to Pure the volume of engineering that has gone into this, this suite of features, this thing that we sum up as data reduction, right? Because, uh, you know, in the past, we've, we've had debates like, do you do compression or do you do deduplication? Do you do pre-process or post-process? Duplication? There, was, there was always these, you know, which one is best? And I think the assumption that we always had was you only got to pick one. But, you know, not steal your thunder too much, Andrew. I think what we're going to see here is you don't have to. You get, you get all of them and you get to put them all in and use them all in the right way. And I think that's key is the intelligence that we build in to know how to use a variety of tools at our disposal and use them all in the right way, in the right way. Right. The other piece I saw there, now this is where we're kind of pulling up back our, our little bit of uh, history, places we've been without trying to, you know, we're not trying to be competitive here, but just like be real about other platforms we've worked with, not calling out by name. Uh, there is one Flash platform that I worked with in the past that had fixed size, uh, that, that actually only did in-process deduplication, that was fixed metadata sizing, et cetera. And some of those architectural decisions that probably were even the right ones to do at the time, given the constraints and everything else they were figuring out. That's why some of the products that we both have worked with in the past have more or less been put out to pasture, or in some cases just had lo- the market share has declined, because it is hard to see around the corner sometimes on some of this stuff. So both, I think, when for you and I, JD, when we came here and as we dug into this, it was like, oh, we, we knew where the market share and the com- competitive landscape went, but it's like, oh, that that's why, <laughs> really, under the covers, and a big part of it was data reduction. So there's... It, it, 
it's a great example of how all these pieces work together, right? Because last uh, episode, we talked about consumer flash and we talked about how we were dedicated to flash. And when you think about, you, you touched on this, but I think it's important to kind of drill in a little bit, what actually happens under the hood when, when we do deduplication, well, we're, we're creating pointers to blocks of data. What is a pointer? It's metadata. And having a really efficient metadata engine that can keep track of all of that metadata and access it incredibly quickly to, to figure out this mess <laughs> behind the scenes of, of where all these blocks of database, data are, um, that, that's the key. And so many architectures just completely fail on that point because they struggle to figure out where to put that metadata. Do I limit uh, its ability to, to live in flash? Do I put it in some kind of special cache? Um, does it go back to hopefully not hard drive to disks because uh, from that's a performance, performance perspective, difference. that's mm. going to be incredibly challenging, right? So the, what we want to do is we're going to, this part, we're going to kind of cut into two sections. First is just walking through the core pieces about all the, when we say data reduction, what all does that mean is up here? Because there's a bunch of stuff there. And then secondly, we'll do, and just in, in some notes here, we call it impact or call it the, why would I care? Like, so sometimes it's like, let's kind of geek out technically and that's fun. And then after we do that, it has to be like, well, that was all fun stuff to hear about. So, so why does it actually matter? So, you know, two pieces for this. So section number one, the actual stuff that's here. Now, one of the things that is not here, by the way, that you won't hear us talk about is being able to handle hybrid architectures. You know, so if we think about uh, the peer actually made a bet on all flash. And so in a data reduction path and pipeline and metadata handling, et cetera, there was the choice not to have to have a bunch of extra code paths to actually be able to handle hybrid architectures. We can even make the case of, I um, you know there's, there's no bugs and codes, code that doesn't exist. I think I just borrowed that from you, JD, you know, shame on me. But as we look at this, almost sometimes where I walk through this with customers, I'll do this as part of a life of an IO discussion, you know, a write comes in and how is that handled? So the pieces here, in brief, and then we'll dive a little deeper. There's variable, there's actually, um, there's variable length deduplication there's, with variable alignment deduplication. There's inline compression with post-process compression for stale data and even deeper compression. There's inline pattern removal. There's large scale deduplication. I mean, this gets to when we've looked at and seen historically, you know, higher data, total data reduction than other platforms. It's because all of those pieces. So let me walk, walk through those in a little bit of how we look at it from an IO stack order. So when a write comes in, what actually first happens is we actually look for any, if there's any filler on the block, let's just say it's like, you know, it's a 512 byte block and there's some filler there. We knock that out because we know the size of the block. We can just throw that away right away, frankly, and throw away is a word that I'm going to use periodically just to be a little bit, uh, make it sound scary, but it's like in a good way. Cause I need the less data we have to store, the better it is for everybody. And even in other ways that we'll get to when we talk about impact. So fillers, we get rid of filler. Then if there's zeros in the blocks, cause often there can be zeros written in, you know, sometimes you're going to, there are still uh, things up the stack that may want to zero out the data or zero out blocks. Well, we know what zeros are and we can actually throw those away too. We just know it's a zero. Then we actually go into patterns. And, and we, by the way, we haven't even got to deduplication and compression yet. We go into patterns where we're looking for single repeating bytes. Just classically, if you like take a Word file or an Excel file, you open that up. It's actually XML under the covers. What is XML? Sometimes there's repeating stuff in there. There's consistent stuff. It's repeating pieces that we're going to knock out. That's where we do often the first byte block of metadata. And I'm going uh, to, I almost meant to put this in first, JD, when you were talking. Um, one of the things that first clicked for me when I joined Pure was a, a senior SE saying that Pure is not a storage architecture. It's a key value store that just happens to store data. And I was like, oh, that it's for me, it may, for someone out there, it may not help. But for me, that helped it helped it click a little bit. OK, back to the flow. So well, zeros. I, I thought I, I, I was a little nervous because I thought you, when you you were going to send it to me right after I tell us talking about, you know, what is it? But a bunch <laughs> of, you know, what is you know, uh, XML. And I was like, oh, uh, YAML's grandfather. There's your dad joke. What is it? Oh my God. Cut that out. That, that was terrible. <laughs> yet another, yet another YAML. Um, so zeros patterns. Then we actually start to look for duplicate blocks and we do this in line. So what we're actually doing is we're looking in four um, in actually eight block sectors and five, 12 bytes. So it's actually this sliding 4k window, if you will. And then it actually moves along to do basically doing a hash against the metadata table to see if there's if there's um, if there's a match. Now, you may be thinking if you've done this in the past is like, hey, I've heard about hash collisions and those are scary. So we're actually looking 
efficiently to find data that looks similar. And then if we find a match, then we go and actually compare the actual exact blocks to make sure that it's the right data. Because when we are deduplicating, we are by definition throwing away data. We really want to be really, really sure that we're throwing away data is the same as data we already have, not otherwise. So if you've had a hash collision conversation in the past, that's how we make sure to handle that. Then we actually go and expand as well. So it actually expands out from the 4K up to 32K. So there's this sliding window and then expansion looking for more similar stuff. This is really hard to convey on a podcast where I'm waving my hands around and you can't see the slides, etc. But there's a level of efficiency here and even some intentional trade-offs around the size of the comparison, etc. That was right from a data reduction standpoint versus a CPU standpoint. This goes all the way back to pure. Next, we then go and do compression. There's both an inline compression process that's relatively lightweight needs to be kind of thing, as well as then there's even deeper from a compression from a post-process standpoint. So as part of our garbage collection process, we actually go and sometimes look at data and see if we can go deeper from a duplication standpoint. We also have a whole bunch of different compression libraries that are not the right ones to use from an inline standpoint due to CPU overhead, but are the right ones to use from a post-process standpoint where you know the array, the array isn't necessarily busy all the time. So we are using the CPU all the time to do various things. We prioritize right IO, user-facing application type stuff, but also there's garbage collection going on, there's maintenance of the flash cells, et cetera. So in that process, we can apply as we clean up the flash cells, that's how just garbage collection works on flash, we can actually apply deeper data reduction, deeper compression algorithms. There's even a fun story here about with um, when Pure actually is, oh, in the late four days, uh, Purity four days, where there was actually a new compression algorithm introduced. And so there were some customers who actually saw, let's just say the array was at 65%. Uh, they didn't read all the release notes. That's normal. We're all busy. And they actually, over the next week or two after the upgrade, they saw their space go from like 65 to 64 to 63 to 62. And they're like, what the? Like, where's my data going? This feels kind of scary. And so they actually called into support or reached out to their SE, uh, their AE, and found out that actually the new compression algorithm was more efficient on certain data sets and actually giving them some space back. I had one, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago with a customer and the AE actually chimed in like that they remembered that purity release really well because the customer was actually about to buy an expansion and then they didn't need it for another couple months. It was the right thing to do for the customer, but the AE remembered it really well because it, it threw their forecast and what they were talking about to their management off. JD. I, just, I can't imagine like going in and how, how nervous I would be, especially as a junior admin early in my career. Like, you know, oh yeah, I've been tracking our storage and it's been, you know, 53% for a while, but uh, I just walked in today and it's under 50. Uh, I'd be kind of freaking out a little bit. So I, that's such a fun story to tell. And, and, and again, it goes back to the concept of evergreen. We talk about that's, that's part of the value you get when you invest in this platform is it's not just what we have available today. It's the, the continual improvements that we're coming out with. Uh, lo and behold, one of those improvements was giving you back some of your storage and letting you use it for other things. And that's just, uh, that, that's so cool that that's a part of uh, uh, what we do here. So if you're listening in thinking, I, almost, I need pictures for that. Um, it's, it felt almost too short or compressed. This is actually sometimes what JD and I will do is 30 to 60 minute walkthroughs with customers when it makes sense to go deeper about life of an IO, even some of the controller architecture, et cetera. So if you're listening in and you want that, please reach out to your, you know, your, your, your pure AE or SE. They can engage us or our peers to walk through this stuff. We're depending on who, there are a lot of SEs that actually know this stuff too, right? It's not just like it's this super secret information. It is a little bit deeper to be real. So if you want a deeper version of that, please don't hesitate to reach out. Wanted to use that though, mainly to kind of frame up. So hopefully you're tracking pattern removal, variable deduplication, compression, deep reduction. We're taking out. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that we're doing here and it's built into the architecture going back 10 years. So JD, why do I actually care about this? Help me get started there. Well, you care a lot because it actually allows you to, to do the things that we need to do from an engineering perspective to make flash array even exist. Remember when we talked last week about, or the last uh, segment about how we were able to use a lower grade, traditionally you know, lower grade, thought of as lower grade, less expensive grade of flash because we were doing some really smart things uh, at the controller level to, to be able to take advantage of its characteristics in a certain way, right? Well, this is one of those things. One of the things that we do is 
actually by having uh, more efficient use of that media, we're not moving things around as often. We're not having to run garbage collection as often. We're able to actually use, utilize the characteristics of that media type to be able to, uh, to, to bring it into an enterprise class flash play system right? That only gets amplified even more with QLC because now with QLC, what was a nice to have before that enabled us to do something really cool is now an absolutely critical to have. We could not build QLC, uh, a QLC based uh, flash array, flash array C without some of these technologies. And so from that perspective, it absolutely is a, a huge enabler for what we do. Um, but it also helps us to deliver performance. Now think about it this way. Um, if I you know, there's always an element of cash in what we're in, in, in a data storage system, right? We use cash to put things together in a certain way and then write them down essentially as a buffer, right? Well, I only have, that's usually a very expensive resource. So I usually don't have nearly as much of that as I do other media types. Well, if I can reduce the data set that's going into that cash, I essentially get the same capacity benefit there. I get more, I get to store more in that very expensive layer that further optimizes the performance I can get in an array, right? More logical data versus what is actually stored down the stack physically. Yeah. That other piece, and, and, and let's go back to something we were talking about flash, right? Um, reads are free, mostly. There's a read disturb once we get all crazy, but writes, you only get so many writes, program cycles, and then that sector's gone. So, Pure from a standpoint, we talk about flat and fair maintenance as part of the evergreen kind of business program, if you will, that, you know, after year three, year four, your maintenance doesn't spike, period, kind of thing. That's not just pure throwing a bucket of money at saying we want to compete, you know, flat maintenance costs. It's also because we're actually driving lower failure rates via having to write to flash left. Every piece of data that we throw away, deduplicate away, that's the fun way to say it, right? We Or compress, we don't have to write to flash. And so by writing less data, it actually means that we can make the modules last much longer. And we saw this even with SSDs, even before direct flash. And then the other cost aspect is sometimes it's stuff that's outside of the pure wheelhouse. So when we talk about moving data and about data gravity, that's always fun to say. It makes me feel intelligent just to say the words data gravity kind of thing. But it's just how much data do I have and how quickly can I move it around uh, thanks to speed of light. If I've got stuff on my array that is doing compression and data reduction before it needs to get sent across the wire, the size of that MPLS link or whatever, you know, it's a hundred meg link. It can send the equivalent of two or three or hundred meg of data. Whatever my data reduction benefits are in writing to Flash, I get versions of those going across the link. Some of those, by the way, do vary if it's synchronous replication versus asynchronous replication. If you can do write coalescing and some other stuff in there, okay, too. But there's impact on the data reduction, even on the replication links. So that goes into RPO sometimes, as well as into the cost of those replication links. Yeah. And I think the last one in here, I want to steal this one from you if that's okay, is how this technology applies to some of the other areas where we're expanding into. And, and a great example is Cloud Block Store. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about when we put these purity capabilities into the public cloud is with the public cloud, a lot of times, all the time, in fact, that storage is completely abstracted away from you. That means any duplicate data you store, any snapshots, uh, regardless of what the backend technology is, all of these capabilities are a benefit to whom? The infrastructure provider, you know, not to you, the consumer. And so by putting uh, these capabilities in the public cloud via cloud block store, we're actually giving that value back to the customer. So now you have a highly dedupable environment. You have a lot of snapshots that all replicate that all point to the same data set. You as the consumer with cloud block store now get the benefit of all of that. And I think that's a really great way to continue to drive down costs of public cloud. And I'll even prognosticate here a little bit. AWS was on stage with us. It was actually the last physical accelerate when we announced Cloud Block Store. I'm saying this unofficially-ish. Our data reduction pipeline going back 10 years would be a big piece of why they partnered with us. You just don't make that quickly, easily, for free. There's other reasons too. I'm not trying to minimize it down, right, kind of thing. But that took a lot of engineering work over time. I think, Rob, you had a little bit of a contrarian historical one that you wanted to throw in here, too. I don't know if it's contrarian, but just in general, right, if I put my database solutions hat on, right, this is something that when you go a little bit up stack and just look at the folks that are 
architecting and managing the database is that there's kind of an aha moment that you, just, you don't need to acquire or operate as much storage because, you know, we see that really consistently in a lot of the feedback around Oracle and SAP HANA and SQL Server and even some of the modern apps. If I go back to what JD was saying about modern apps earlier, just a common feedback from customers where they just go, yeah, we, we, we needed X percent less storage or less, you know, data required to, to actually store this, which is great. And there was kind of a little spin that we did for a little while, you know, could you argue that maybe there's faster response time? I mean, that's a whole other aspect of the architectural decisions that I think we do really well with, you know, looking at latencies. But if you're getting faster response times, you up level that to, you know, core counts and how much you need to spend on licensing. So there could be more savings. So that's where I when I put my solutions hat on and look at that from a from a marketeer standpoint. Those are some some upstack kind of points that that maybe hopefully take this kind of discussion home. I love, I love hearing when you both go through all the, the different aspects and certainly it's a marketer's dream to be able to have these features to, to speak about relative to, to databases and CBS and everything else that we do really well here. I used to way back in the day, spend a lot of time with ESX top, uh, I think with SAR on Linux some other ones where you're looking at IO weight and you're like, mm, my CPU is just spinning its wheels because of this other thing over there. But there is actually a very clever segue, if I say so myself here. There is one of our data protection partners that actually leverages some of what we do with data reduction really well. As well, we're going into segment number three. In case you didn't guess, we have a special guest who actually JD has known for quite a while. They've got a little bit of shared history. I think I'll let you take it away for section number three here, JD. Oh man, I'm, I'm thrilled to have our first special guest on Unplugged. This is a, a gentleman that I have worked with for many years across a couple of different companies, always have a great time together. And I'm so proud that he actually joined our team as a principal technologist. You know, I, I say that as if it just happened yesterday, but gosh, he's been here for, for quite a while now. I think even a maybe a, a previous guest of the podcast, in fact, but first time on Unplugged, Zane Allen. Zane, I'm so excited that you could join us today. How's, how's it going, buddy? Great, 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 great. Super excited to be here. And thanks to be your first guest on Unplugged. So take, take, take that as an honor. Uh, well, big we, fan of the show. We, big... you know, we knew we could, we could work all the bugs out with you. Cause That's you know, right. you've been on That's uh, right. been before, right? <laughs> yeah, and big fan of the show. Really looking forward to that spinoff, Rob. You monologuing? Really looking forward to that, Dad. That oh yeah, the, the, the Ludeman, the Ludeman <laughs> monologue that everybody's been waiting for. 150 episodes in, but other people, Absolutely. the next 150 will just be me. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, super excited to be here. Uh, as JD mentioned, principal technologist on the team here with Andrew and JD. So a very exciting team to be part of, and um, glad to glad to be part of this with you today. Awesome. And Zane, so let's cut right to it because Andrew kind of alluded to this. You, you've been listening in. We've been talking a lot about data reduction today and you uh, just came back from Veeam on. And I want to get into that here in a minute, but before I do, I want to talk a little bit about some of the ways that Veeam takes advantage of the data reduction capabilities. Tell us a little bit more about that. Cause I know that's something that you get to talk about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it resonates very well, right? It's, I mean, let's be honest, we're talking about all flash for, for data protection, right? And, and, and I think the modern climate definitely warrants it. I mean, fast backups, definitely fast restores at, at scale, right? That's what we really talk about mm -hmm. here. Um, and, and the way that just outlined, this is a perfect show to be on, um, how we efficiently, we as peer, efficiently uh, manage that data and that data reduction as we write it down and um, really lends itself well to allowing our customers to use flash for that day for that use case. Um, and that's, yeah. and, and, so, and this, this resonated very well at Veeamon uh, last week. So basically I like to tell them is a, is a, uh, a dedupe appliance without the baggage, right? You know, dedupe was traditionally used to kind of store a lot of data. I mean, backup yeah. data takes a lot of data. It's a copy of my data center. It's probably multiple copies of my data center that I might be keeping for some uh, period of time. Um, so, you know, the peers ability to dedupe that data, make it, give it that reduction, but not slow it down and let me still have those yeah. uh, restores at scale uh, really resonates with our customers. 
So you mentioned dedupe appliance. I want to come back around to that because there's, there's a lot of connotation there that you and I being in the data protection space for a while, kind of, you know, understand naturally, but I don't think everyone necessarily grasps. And that's when, when, when we say from a data protection perspective, dedupe appliance, that usually implies slow, optimized for capacity, not optimized for all of the things that we know that you highlighted are really important. That rapid restore, unfortunately, you know, ransomware and other realities of the modern data center have forced us to kind of look at more, more closely, Um, you know, those appliances, those traditional traditional duping appliances that are really designed for capacity optimization, just, just can't live up to the kind of demands that, uh, a modern architecture puts on them for performance, right? Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, right? It's, they'd solve that one part of the problem. How do I store a lot of data in that little space? Great. You know, they do a great job of that, but you know, it's not about backup. It's about restore. I want to get that data back. And again, as we mentioned at scale now, right, it might be most of my data center, a lot of data uh, in the modern climate. Um, and that, that just, yeah, it just doesn't hold up on those rehydration uh, of those yeah. appliances of old, right? And not to mention the modern data services, customers are definitely looking to use their data, their backup data for other things, right? And uh, analytics, testing, whatever that may be, um, and kind of spinning it off those DDP appliances that just didn't lend itself well. Yeah. I'll still play a little bit. I'm curious since you're at VMON, I'm sure your, your feet are getting less sore if you're standing around the booth a lot and talking to people <laughs> right. and it's like, man, I want to talk, but my feet hurt. Um, as you were chatting with us, so what was the most common thing or two, you know, however, however many you want to put in that people were asking about? I, I know I think I saw that the the booth, the banner on the booth said ransomware behind you. So I'm sure that came up. Absolutely. But I'm just kind of curious, like what, what were the top one or two things that people actually wanted to spend time talking about? Uh, it, you know, ransomware was the biggest one. I mean, the, even Veeam's theme, and I'll say some of the themes they had, it almost sounds like they were borrowing our decks, um, you know, rapid restore and, and locking your data. Um, th- that's really the question they, they would ask us. So the way we efficiently dedupe data, we also kind of index data, our snapshots. And that's something I really liked about Pure. We're all kind of talking about things as we, when we came to Pure, we, we recognize is our snapshot engine too, right? Is it the way that it efficiently takes snapshots? Uh, it's basically instantaneous. And then the fact that we can build on top of that, right, from our dedupe engine, the way we index data to our snapshot engine, to building on that safe mode um, piece that we now add on where we lock all that down so that as I was, when I was talking to customers, when they're asking me this, which really, is it that your immutability feature? And I say, well, it, it goes well beyond that immutability feature. It's really immutable, but it isn't isn't useful if it isn't there, right? So it's mutable plus a resiliency as uh, like I like to say, it's locked in. So I, I can assure that my data is there uh, should I need to re- restore it in, in one of these events. And that was that was really kind of, they were like, yeah, all right, clarify this for me. And when you kind of explain how easy it is to kind of use, in this case, Veeam, right? All the, all the efficiency of Veeam, you know, how Veeam works well with the way we can easily manage uh, the pure array it really resonated with them. That really made sense. We're like, oh, okay. So there's isn't a lot to this. We're not doing anything separate. We're just kind of locking this data down uh, and getting those efficiencies. It's a um, better, faster, easier, as I think you said earlier on the, uh, on the podcast here, JD. Um, well, and, and I love it because if you're, if you're, you're talking to Veeam administrators at Veeam on, not necessarily pure storage or storage at all administrators and the, the ability to tell them that, Hey, this is, an incredibly simple feature that you you just turn on or have your storage administrator turn on for you. And it's kind of set and forget at that point. I mean, how yep. powerful is that? Um, I imagine so many other solutions out in the market are, are, you know, add this additional appliance and configure this networking schedule. And, you know, just having something so simple, I, I'm sure resonates. And then kind of the future up here is going to make that even more automatic, right? So that we, you're insured that if you use an array, you're, you're, you're protected. So Absolutely. this is all really cool, Zane, but you know what, uh, if I'm being honest, this is a capability that you and I have talked about together for well over a year now. And I know one of the big parts of Veeam on is we get to talk about all the new stuff that Veeam's coming out with. Um, Pure such a strong partner with, with Veeam. I want to hear a little bit about that. So what, what secrets can you bring us back from Veeam on uh, that you want to share, particularly ones that may kind of impact what we're doing from a Pure perspective? Yeah, a lot, a lot of good announcements there. Obviously, uh, I mean, 
first and foremost, specifically with Pure, the Universal API version two, right? So if, if you are a Veeam customer and you know about the uh, storage integration that it has today, that's actually going to get uh, better, right? We're going to have the version two where it's going to be more with replication and have more visibility into things like our, our active cluster uh, features and all that. Just, just making that partnership even stronger um, on the, on the front end. Um, really excited to see Veeam Veeam announced, uh, you know, nothing to really announce here today or, you know, together, but they announced their ability to write directly to object going into the future. So uh, in, in V12 and really excited to see where that kind of takes us because for those of you who may or may not know out there, we have an object storage and uh, we're very proud of it. So looking to see how that'll weave into there as well. So there's kind of, kind of the so, two bigger, bigger highlights. So we're not committing to V12 direct to Flashblade S3 no. yet, but we're definitely excited about excited. investigating it more deeply is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I uh, had a few conversations, got to see a lot of people, um, I don't know if we mentioned here, but I, we have some history with Veeam. Uh, I got to see a lot of people that I knew from the past and, and kind of have those conversations uh, about that, um, you know, kind of while I was around the conference. It's only a LinkedIn search away to figure out where we all came from. <laughs> and then we all choose to like each other, even though we nicely fought in the past, do all that stuff. We all came from somewhere. <laughs> we go to discuss all the lies we told about each other back in the day, right? No, hopefully not. Nice ones. Nice ones. <laughs> so in, in you, to that point, you know, getting to meet people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back already to, you know, Rob's intro and talking about all the conferences that we have up. Um, how exciting must have that have been to kind of reconnect with some folks that you probably haven't seen in over two years now? Oh, it, it was, that was amazing. And, and to be at a conference again like that, I mean, I did the, the gravity of it hit me when I was here, like, oh, this is a large conference. We've done some local kind of user cons and things, but this was, you know, actual conference. It was well attended. Great party at the end. If anybody's been to a Vmon party, um, and then yes, yeah, seeing seeing colleagues from the past, catching up on where they're at, where I'm at. Some some with Veeam still. Some that actually moved on to partners of Veeam as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of great conversations. I had a had a great time. Uh, three four days in Vegas is enough for a week, in my opinion. But uh, had a great time. <laughs> Now, I saw some photos coming out of uh, the conference of you and uh, another one of our colleagues, Chris Sprague, co-presenting on stage. Looked like you were absolutely in your element, um, not being forced to, to fit yourself into a Zoom uh, frame yeah, anymore. Yeah, and so yeah. tell me, what was it like to be live in front of an audience again, talking about uh, talking about Veeam and Pure and what we're doing together? Oh, that was amazing too. Right. I mean, to see eyeballs looking at you and getting nods that, that, that response, I, I, I forgot how much yeah. I missed that. Right. Yeah. Feedback is, is, is very important and seeing what's resonating and bringing it to them. Um, it was, it was uh, virtual as well. So I think people could have seen it. There were others that I weren't in the room, but it was, that was, that was an amazing experience. Um, yeah. Hybrid. And, and then I always loved it. Yeah. Chris Bragg, another colleague of ours that, that known forever, uh, always great to present with him. I think I threw this on Twitter. Maybe, maybe Zane, it was that I was going to give you the the wake people up award because you were wearing the orange shirt, that's right, that's and then Chris right. had the sport coat, so he gets the Mister Business Casual award, you know, that's kind right. of thing. So yeah, he was the serious uh, data protection guy. I was just the uh, you know, hey, rah rah. Um, that that is a loud orange shirt. I, I don't think I realized how much it was until I saw it on LinkedIn there. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a great time. Great time to be in person again. I hope hope to do it. I hope to do it again soon. I think maybe we are JD, but hope to, hope to do it again soon. Well, you'll be at the. Uh, I think Andrew mentioned we're all going to meet up in Austin soon, and so yeah. looking forward to. You know, Zane and I live practically next door to each other up here in the Pacific Northwest, so you know, we're fortunate enough to get to hang out all the time. But yeah. it's, it's going to be yeah. great for it's our entire extended team. team. There, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, is everyone bringing their cowboy hat? I'll have maybe. to get one there. Maybe not. <laughs> I think with that, I'm going to shift over. We're going to segue into number four, which is actually kind of a, con a continuation. It's the tip of the week. We're going to make our special guest do double duty. So Zane and I think JD as well. Or JD. How about well, I, a Veeam? Oh, go ahead. Actually, I wanted to stop you. And uh, yeah. I had one more final oh, question oh, for oh. for. For, for Zane, before we got too far off of it, um, I, I've been fortunate enough to be at 
VMON in the past. And I know one of the absolute biggest highlights is the VMON party. Veeam sure knows how to throw a party. I want to hear about the VMON party before we transition. So, so what happened? How cool was it? And uh, how much trouble did you get into? Well, trouble we don't talk about, but uh, it's Vegas, right? Everything stays there. Um, no, it, it was fantastic in, in true Veeam fashion. They still got it. Uh, rooftop, Vegas, pool, club, that whole thing. Lights, Pure had its own little section, cabana carved off there that we threw our little side party in there. Uh, highlighted by Julio, if anybody if you remember him, and uh, Nelly, right? Those are the, the two uh, acts there. I uh, got some photos. I don't know if they can go in the show note here, um, but we had, a, we had a great time. There were, you know, in true Vegas fashion. Uh, they, they, they did it. That Veeam, Veeam hasn't lost that part at all. So that Veeam on parties are epic. That's we actually so cool. have uh, someone that's now new to pure that um, I think this might've been their her first conference. And I was like, Oh, you are going to get to go to a Veeam on party for your first conference. You will not forget this. And uh, I think I was right. Awesome. Uh, well, I definitely had a tremendous amount of uh, FOMO last week while I wasn't there, but I, I knew what a great time that you all were having. And I was really excited about how you're representing the brand. And it was great to see you and Chris yeah. up there giving live performances. I can't, or, uh, <laughs> performances. Wow. Live uh, presentations. I can't wait to get back that to my, uh, myself. Um, with that, Andrew, let's uh, transition to, to, uh, to segment number four. It's double transition time. You get an extra transition. We'll start it over, which is segment number four. Tip of the week, we're going to make our special guest do double duty because he's such a nice guy, and I think JD's probably going to still keep helping out. So how about a Veeam and Flash Array plus Flash Blade tip? Double bonus. Zane, take it away. Surprise me. Yeah, this is, uh, well, it sounds like an incredibly simple tip, but... I think it's very powerful. Um, this is something JD and I both uh, agree, I think, right, JD? And correct me if oh, I'm yeah. wrong. Talk about kind of usually at the end of our conversations about how to use Veeam with Pure. Um, and that is the ability, you know, first of all, Veeam has that self-describing backup file. So it lends itself very well to what we talk about with the C, with safe mode, being able to flip that data back should it get compromised. It's not getting deleted if it gets compromised and flip it back and, and be able to scan it and restore all your data. Um, and even if you lost your whole Veeam server, but Veeam does have a configuration file backup, right? That's kind of the, the settings that brought the Veeam server back together. So if I install a new Veeam server, I can put all the settings back in. You know, again, I could have already restored my data, but now I can get all the settings, the jobs, the, the, the pieces. Um, we're doing safe mode on the backups. Why not? Make a nice little carve out a nice little repo or on the flash blade, a file uh, system, write that over there, lock that with safe mode. And now that's just an easier way to restore your beam server uh, and get everything back to working. Should the worst case scenario happen. So I, I love this one Zane, Cause it really is a pro tip because you'd be amazed at how many uh, Veeam customers I talk to, they just never think to change that setting. Veeam is really smart. They turn it on by default for all customers. So it's going to write that no matter what, uh, right. but it typically doesn't write it to your, uh, your, your flash array or flash blade, even based on the C drive. So, you don't watch it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So having that, and it's so small, you wouldn't even notice, right? It's, nope. it's, it's not that big of a file typically for most deployments. So having that, um, deployed on a safe mode uh, enabled flash array or flash blade uh, based yeah. repository is I think uh, really cool. Absolutely. Easy to do quick little setup and change over and you're completely protected. So don't, don't forget that setting. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think we are toward the end of segment number six. That was a very cool, actually a very focused tip. But when it, when it matters, it matters a lot. It actually plays out. I think you could, well, both of you could probably talk for a long time about the portability of metadata. And yeah. Veeam, back, Veeam backup files being self-describing. Mm -mm -mm. So much cool stuff. I think with that, we are at a wrap. Zane, maybe, is there anything that you would, uh, you've been such a great guest. Is there anything that you would like to plug? I'm guessing you got a podcast, Twitter handle, uh, Venmo, PayPal, you know, just, just, just any of all of the above, right? So. <laughs> yeah. You can Venmo me at, uh, yeah, yeah I, do, I do have a podcast. It's a little unrelated to pure, but, uh, Chris Sprague and I have, uh, the SE journey out there where we try to explore that. How do people get to the SE role and have a lot of fun time and invite people we know, like maybe someday Andrew will come on there. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but we'll see. Um, and I don't know if we're going to plug here, but some of the stuff we're talking about, including 
that piece about the configuration backup file, yeah. JD and I, I don't know. I think maybe we have a session at our upcoming accelerate. So please, uh, please, please catch that. Please catch that. And, uh, yeah. And then I'm the, I'm the West coast it hipster online. That's my blog. So look for me there. And you can even find, if you look back, Jane, Zane, you joined me on January for the coffee break, where we talked about all things disaster recovery. So you had a snazzy uh, bio slide with all your info on it. And if I remember right, a bike on the back of a mini, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't compete with the kangaroo photo that you have. So I went for the bike on the mini. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it was actually like with like an official mount. There wasn't any duct tape or anything else involved. It was, it was yeah. totally yeah. legit. It's so. the, the bike is actually wider than the mini. Yeah, that you saw. That's a good point. <laughs> it's actually my son. He has to hold it from the trunk. It's terrible. But anyway, I think with that, I'm going to say, uh, mom, come get me. I'm done. JD and Rob, any closing notes? JD, you go first. I'm just excited to be back uh, with you all and start hearing more about in-person events. I'm looking forward to Accelerate. I will be there in person as I, I think everyone, uh, all of all of your hosts and guests will be, uh, I believe. And so come see us, please. Really looking forward to uh, having some of these conversations with you and, and sharing what we've been working on. I think it's going to be great fun. All three of you have benefited from knowing someone who is effectively in charge of the whole content payload at Accelerate. So <laughs> uh, this person may or may not have had something to do with getting you there. But I, you know, honestly, you're you're some of the some of the best and most interesting and engaging people that we can put in front of our customers, prospects, and partners. So of course, we wanted to get you out there, and uh, I look forward to seeing you all in a in a couple couple few weeks as well at downtown LA. And we want to see all of you out there or online on the virtual platform where you can consume all the tracks, all the great content that we're going to have and watch our keynotes, some really exciting announcements that we have forthcoming. So come on out. Great work on the episode, gentlemen. Thanks for planning it. Zane, thanks for being the special guest that I gave away at about minute 12 in <laughs> the podcast when I talked to, I, I have an Easter egg in episode and I just can't help myself. But yeah, if you hear the parts, if you go back and hear JD go spoiler, I think I'd said, hey, Vima, and I, hey, Zane and JD, you were there. So that was pretty dumb, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that right here. And hey, thanks. Oh, JD, back. Was it, you know, it's fun. I, I talked to, I, I got to meet Sean Rosemarin in person. Yeah. Uh, this last week. And one of the things that he told me was, you know, hey, JD, you always got to listen to the podcast because I'm always throwing a spoiler or an Easter egg in there for you. So, uh, you know, we're, we're big on, we're big at Easter eggs on this podcast. Easter eggs and eighties pop culture references uh, are right in my wheelhouse. Oh, I didn't, I should have brought some of those. No, nah, we can do that the next time. We'll have you back saying we'll, for sure. Yeah. We'll have some more after next week, right? We might go see somebody of eighties uh, in uh, Austin. So Oh yeah, that's right. That is a possibility. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Peer Report. Unplugged volume six is absolutely a blast to see what you all have done with this format and we get great feedback and please send us your feedback at peerreport at peerstorage.com for topic suggestions. And we will get Andrew and JD back on soon as they keep rolling through the uh, the big 15 as well as the other modules. Thanks for the time you spend on this. Thanks Zane for being a great guest. And uh, thank you out there for listening. With that, we'll wrap for Pure Storage, JD Wallace, Andrew Miller, and our special guest Zane Allen. This is Rob Lubin saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. <laughs> <laughs>